0: Hi there! You're listening to One Person's Trash is Our Treasure. I'm your host, Rachel. And I'm your other host, Jen. We're a podcast where we talk about underrepresented and underappreciated media. Like romance novels! Especially like romance novels. Today
1: we're going to be talking about a romance novel called Ice Planet Barbarians
0: by Ruby Dixon. If you've listened to some of our previous episodes, you might know that we have previously talked about a book by ruby dixon called fire in his blood
1: that was episode four of our podcast just a little plug of our own podcast
0: i believe the episode title was we still got to talk about his penis i believe you are correct yep Mm -hmm. so this is a different series Mm -hmm. by ruby dixon it's actually the first one that i ever read by her and um my favorite I'm a really big Ruby Dixon fan. I think her books are super fun. Go check them out on Amazon. Totally. For a little bit of uh, context, we actually recorded us talking about this book about a year ago. Before we even were going to do a podcast, really. Yeah. Um, Before we actually started the podcast, we
1: recorded uh, a couple of test episodes. (laughs) And uh, this was the third one that we did. And they are all lost episodes because the audio quality was so horrendous.
0: Yep. We only had one microphone. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: uh, the Ice Planet Barbarians episode actually ended up accidentally recording with my laptop microphone. Fun. And it's unlistenable so (laughs) and it's a bummer because
1: that episode was really fun but we had a lot of fun talking about it again so yep uh if you if you're interested in checking out this series this the ice planet barbarian series is really great we're probably gonna keep doing books from this series if you're interested in it ruby dixon recently released the audiobook of this book that we're about to talk about so go check it out it's really good we both listened to it It's narrated by Holly Jackson and Mason Lloyd, uh, who both do a really good job. Mm -hmm. And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Twitter at Optiat, O-P-T-I-O-T, and on Instagram at
0: OptiatPod. You can also find us on our website, (laughs) (laughs) OnePerson'sTrashIsOurTreasure.com. Hope you enjoy. Bye.
1: Bye. Hey, everybody. Jen here, uh, by myself. Psalms Rachel and i don't have my uh pop filter with me so i apologize but just wanted to give everybody a heads up kind of a a trigger warning for um in the beginning of the book there um there's some rape that happens and we briefly mention it in the episode so if that's the kind of thing that you need to stay away from then you know this is just a a heads up that that that's there um okay everybody back to the show (laughs)
0: So, Jen, why don't you start by telling the listener what you just read? Today, we're going to be
1: talking about a book called Ice Planet Barbarians by Ruby Dixon. It is the first in the Ice Planet Barbarians series. Rachel loves this series,
0: and she told me to read it a while ago, actually. Yeah, and I I mean, at least upon your first reading, we both actually really liked the book. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's kind of just start off by giving a little bit of background as to what the series is. The main character, her name is Georgie. And she has just been kidnapped by aliens (laughs) when the book starts. And she kind of just starts off by explaining her situation, which is that she has been kidnapped by aliens and that (laughs) she's currently in a holding cell with a group of other women. Mm -hmm. And they're all literally just being kept in a cage They have a bucket to use as the bathroom, Mm -hmm. and they have chips in their arms, trackers in their arms, and they're completely being treated like cattle. Mm -hmm. The first woman who had been kidnapped, her name is Kira. She has a translator in her ear, and she has gathered and told the other women that they were kidnapped to be sold off either as food or pets or who knows. Yeah to other aliens, and also that there are six pods that are in this cargo hold, which contain what Kira suspects to be the initial cargo. Mm-hmm. There's an idea
1: among the women that the women who are being kept in the cage were extras that they just decided to pick up to make an extra buck.
0: Yeah, because there are, are six women in the six pods. Mm-hmm. So, the conditions in this cage are understandably horrific. The women are all terrified because the masterminds of this operation are these little green men, but the muscle are these big orange basketball head guys mm-hmm. who rape them mm-hmm. when-
1: If they make too much noise.
0: Yeah, if, if they make any noise or if they're too loud- And Georgie discovers that this is the case when one woman gets kidnapped after her. Mm -hmm. And she is a French-Canadian who doesn't know English. And the other girls are unable to calm her down and she freaks out. And Georgie and the other girls just kind of watch as the big orange basketball heads come in and drag her out and just rape her. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think she even says that Another girl, a few days later, cries out in her sleep, and she gets raped as well. Yep. So it's pretty horrific Mm -hmm. what these women are dealing with. Other than Kira, there is
1: Liz, Mm -hmm. who tells Georgie what's going on when she first wakes up in the cage.
0: Liz and Kira are kind of the two big ones in the first book. So Georgie decides that this can't go on. Mm -hmm. They need to try to escape. So Georgie comes up with a plan that they're all going to work together to overpower one of the guards, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: knock him out, grab his gun, and go from there. Mm -hmm. Conveniently, when they have their escape attempt planned, the little green men have some engine trouble and end up dropping the cargo hold Mm -hmm. and just dropping it onto a nearby planet. The escape attempt
1: does go fairly well otherwise, though. Yeah, They do kill the one basketball head.
0: Yeah. Georgie manages to grab his weapon and then bashes his head in Mm -hmm. until he's dead. (laughs) Because she can't figure out how to use the gun. Fun. Let's talk a little bit about Georgie really quick. Okay. Because I don't know if I could have been as brave as she was. Mm. Because the reason none of the women did anything is because none of them wanted to be the one who gets raped. Mm if the plan goes south you know Mm -hmm. so georgie ends up volunteering to be the one to kind of make the distraction so that the other women can help jump this guy because the idea is they have to like make some noise and get him to open the cage so that they can all overpower him and so
1: georgie can throw their shit bucket on him to distract him
0: (laughs) (laughs) and ends up throwing it on herself a little too Mm -hmm. poor thing yeah so, I don't know. I, I admire that about Georgie because, like I said, I don't know if that's something I could do. She does you know?
1: a lot that I'm not sure that I could do.
0: <laughs> yeah. She's a very strong person. Sure. Yeah. So, the cargo hold has been dropped onto a nearby planet. Naturally, the drop is not easy on the inhabitants of the cargo hold. Mm-hmm. Two of the women die. Mm-hmm. The rest are all pretty severely injured. Georgie breaks her wrist. Everyone is in extremely bad shape.
1: And they're also weak from being kept in the cage this whole time. Like, they're not being fed a lot. and
0: mm-hmm. It's pretty dire, but they've escaped. Mm-hmm. When Georgie wakes up after the cargo hold crashes on this planet, they realize that they're on an ice planet. <laughs> and at that point, Georgie knows that if they don't do something, they're all going to die. Mm-hmm. They don't have enough food to sustain them for long. It's freezing. They need to do something. Mm-hmm. Partially because she's the bravest, partially because she is the only one who physically can, Georgie ventures out, ventures out into the unknown of yeah. this alien world,
1: this like ice tundra or something. Yeah, but first she strips the basketball head of his clothes, yeah. so that she can wear them.
0: Yeah, <laughs> smart. <laughs> I mean. Uh, that's what i would do they're all in their pajamas like they were all taken in their sleep yeah and none of them remember being taken they literally just went to bed one night and then woke up on this alien ship Mm
1: -hmm. yeah it's really fun if you're interested in romance and sci-fi and aliens it's like a really fun read and we it might not sound it yeah (laughs) uh but we recommend checking it out if you're interested You know, Rachel's read a lot of this series, and I intend to continue reading the series. It's an interesting world that mm-hmm. Ruby Dixon created. So let's get into let's get into it. Okay, <laughs> spoilers, <laughs> spoiler time. <laughs> so when Georgie goes out into the ice world.
0: Mm-hmm. Which they dub not Hoff. Oh, that's right. In a, in a reference to Star Wars. That's right. That's right. I forgot about that. I found that really endearing. There are like a couple Star Wars references.
1: Like it, it kind of gives you the idea that like Georgie is kind of a Star Wars fan.
2: Mm-hmm. Which is an
1: interesting piece of her character. Because you mentioned this uh, when we recorded the first time. That we, we don't know a lot about Georgie's life before this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: At least in this book. I don't know if that changes. W- which I think is interesting and it's interesting that as a character she's well drawn enough that you do get a sense of who she is without knowing kind of where she came from on earth
0: yeah you don't know a lot about her but you know who she is exactly yeah Yeah. i mean i still think that holds true Mm -hmm. even upon my fifth reading uh, <laughs> no I, I definitely think that's true um, her her personality shines through you know mm-hmm. like I would like to know more about her and about whatever life she held before mm-hmm. but I like it's not necessarily relevant to the situation she's in no and- it's not other than we do learn that every woman who has been taken is 22 right lives alone. Isn't pregnant. For the most part. And is in relatively good health. Mm-hmm. But that's all we know about Georgie. Yeah. You know, in her life before she gets kidnapped by aliens.
1: Because it's not relevant to the situation she's in, I'm glad that the book doesn't really go into it because she still feels like a person, mm-hmm. which is, like, kind of hard to do, so.
0: Yeah, I think it's a testament to Ruby Dixon's ability to craft character, mm-hmm. you know? I really like the characters of this series, I think you really get a sense of community. And I think each character has a really distinct voice. But especially as you continue to read the series, each narrator really does have their own voice, in my opinion.
1: I could see how that could be true. Because even in this book, with the different characters that there are, it flip, first of all, it flip flops between
0: Georgie's point of view and Vectal's point of view. Mm-hmm. And oh, we should yeah. say who Vectal is. Yeah. <laughs> So for context, when Georgie ventures out into this wasteland, she describes her surroundings a lot. Mm -hmm. And Georgie gets caught in a trap. Mm -hmm. One of those ones where she, like, steps in the rope and then it pulls her up by her ankle up into the tree. Which is very tropey of, like, humans. Like, that's a very human trap. (laughs) Yeah so it's interesting (laughs) yeah and the hunter who set the trap Mm -hmm. finds her and comes comes across her and he's our hero Mm mhm and he he's blue (laughs) he's blue and he's got horns and and a a tail (laughs) and some other fun anatomy
1: yeah so this dude finds Georgie in his trap Mm -hmm. upside down and passed out yep and well
0: (laughs) vibrates (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he starts vibrating. Yeah, and it turns out the reader doesn't know mm-hmm. what this means, but he refers to this as resonance. Mm-hmm.
1: And he refers to his quee.
0: Yes, and you don't know what his quee is, mm-hmm. and how his quee has chosen this strange creature that's caught in his trap. You know,
1: if out of context, it actually sounds kind of dirty.
0: Yeah. <laughs> The first time I read this, I kept thinking like I swear to god if you have this weird prehensile dick, <laughs> that's going to like wiggle around and it chooses your mate for you, I'm going to bounce. Oh my god. I'm just going to be like bye. I would read that book for this podcast though.
2: <laughs>
0: I mean if you want to read books about weird dicks, I've got I've got a lineup for you. I've got like a bookshelf <laughs> Prepared. I'm terrified and excited. <laughs> That's what she said. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I the first time I read this, I I genuinely thought the quee was going to be some sexual thing, mm-hmm. which like I mean I guess it is, but not and not in the way that I thought. It's not really as weird as I expected.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's the faded mate trope. Yeah. So, Soulmates.
0: Yeah. It turns out that this quee inside him, it's actually just a parasite
2: mm-hmm.
0: that kind of adapts your body to make you capable of surviving in the harsh environment of this planet. Yeah. The conditions on the planet are – it's very cold. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, the, the women are
1: freezing to death. Yeah. Basically. Apparently, if you don't have a quee inside of you, still sounds dirty. Um... You get sick.
0: There's a toxic chemical in the air mm-hmm. that kills you slowly over time. Mm-hmm. And it's called the Quee sickness. And it happens to anyone who doesn't have a Quee.
1: Yeah. So the only way to survive on the planet is to accept one.
0: Yeah. Is to get infected with one of these parasites.
1: So, along with- You make it sound so awful.
0: (laughs) So, along with making you able to survive on this planet, the Kui also chooses your soulmate. It decides of every person in the world Mm -hmm. who your most biologically compatible mate is. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Remember that information for later. (laughs) So he's he, confused. Yeah, he's he's confused. It's uh it's it's a weird creature to him yep. that he's never seen before. And not only that, but it's this weird creature that is making his chest vibrate. And, and he knows what it is. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh damn, I want to fuck that creature." Not exactly. No, but <laughs> he like boiling it down. Yeah. yeah.
0: He's he's like, "I'm resonating, which means that this creature is my one true mate for life." Mm-hmm. So he's like, "Well, let's Let's take her to a cave and, yeah, let's, and see what's uh, going on. Let's inspect her. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> which is what he does. He he takes her. They have these hunting caves mm-hmm. for hunters to uh, hide out in when they're on long hunts because it's so cold. Georgie is still unconscious. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, this is my favorite scene in the book because it is the one that perplexes me most.
0: <laughs> Describe in vivid detail what happens he um well he
1: inspects her he's very curious about what this creature is you know his species is blue and huge and has horns and, and a tail and a tail
0: um, and ridges across their muscles and mm-hmm. face
2: mm-hmm.
1: and georgie does not georgie obviously is human i think of
0: him almost as tarzan yeah that's a good way of describing it like yeah. the scene in the in disney's tarzan exactly where he meets jane and he's he, like inspecting her like you're not a gorilla and curious
1: yeah. yeah exactly so that's that's kind of what it is and then it becomes a little less pg <laughs> he
0: undresses her it's still in a kind of clinical for sure it's still like super curious and mind you he's a barbarian nudity doesn't mean anything to him (laughs) and i'm only saying this because vectel isn't creepy no he's not no he's really not he's actually a pretty chill dude and I, i mean i have a low tolerance for
1: creepy heroes in romance novels you do you do uh and i didn't think he was creepy at all i mean okay in fairness, he does uh start eating her out while she's still unconscious. In this scene. In this scene. <laughs> but other than that. Yeah. He's pretty much like uh, a chill dude. He's yeah. a pretty chill dude. Yeah, he, no he really is. Yeah. He's respectful of her mm-hmm. and and her decisions and yeah. of The humans in general.
0: Yeah. He's he's not, he doesn't, like, force himself on Georgie. mm -hmm. You know, this happens in the beginning, yes, but it's, like, a genuine misunderstanding. And I know that sounds bad. Well, let's explain it. The thing is that with their species, they resonate for
1: each other. Mm -hmm. And then it's just, well, we're together now. You know what I mean? Like, like, biologically, you want to be with your mate. Mm -hmm. So he's just doing what would be normal in their species not really yeah. like realizing that she would wake up and be like what the fuck yeah and which by the way is not her reaction <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, and also, um, there's also, this isn't an excuse, but there is also a literal biological urge, especially in later books, you see the extent of how kind of agonizing resonance actually is, which I think is super interesting.
1: So he starts eating her out. Yes. I believe I mentioned in our Fire in His Blood episode, why does Ruby Dixon always have <laughs> this happen when their heroes meet the
0: heroines? I don't remember if I, if it stayed in, but yeah, you did mention that.
1: <laughs> it switches back to her point of view, and um, she's like, "Oh, I was dreaming. <laughs> like that was the bad part of the dream, and now this is the good part of the dream." And um, <laughs> because <laughs> because she is currently getting eaten out <laughs> by a giant alien. Yeah, she doesn't know that part, but then she wakes up and she does.
0: And she still is, like, cool with it. Not entirely. She's she's very confused, but also she's in the throes of passion. (laughs) Your face when you said that was so great. (laughs) She can't just stop. That's not how passion works. Totally. (laughs) And maybe it's, like, it's just that romance novel effect where Mm. he's just so amazingly good at it that we can't even comprehend how unstoppable it is oh
2: my god
0: (laughs) that there's a lot of that in this book that there's a lot of that in all romance
1: novels (laughs) so yeah he continues to completion
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and it's like the most amazing orgasm that anyone has ever had
0: yeah mind you she had been living in a cargo hold Mm. without access to a bath or a shower for like a month also, she spilled shit on herself. Like, literal, like a shit bucket. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sewage. Bothers me a lot. Yep. mm mm-hmm. So, yeah, after she orgasms, she's like, what the fuck? She snaps out of it. She's yeah. like, oh, God.
2: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, there's and, an alien in front of her. Yeah, and, and Vectol, having completed his task, is like, well, now we move on to fucking. Mm-hmm. And-,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and here we go. Yep.
0: <laughs> so he's ready to just keep moving, and she's like, hell no. Yeah. Let's not. And he's like, what? Why not? You know? <laughs> he's...
1: Okay, he's kind of cute. Uh, yeah, I
0: mean, he doesn't like force her or even yeah, like. It's a genuine misunderstanding. Yeah, so he just stops and he's like, huh, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, and he does. Well, here's what I think is so great about Vectel he doesn't get mad at all. No, not at all. Which has not been my experience with most other romance novels. Mm-hmm. I think he might be the only hero that I've read so far that hasn't had even an ounce of frustration over not being able to fuck the heroine immediately. Yeah, that might be true. So it's like super refreshing that he's like, oh, okay, what do I do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Obviously, they can't understand each other, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. I don't even remember what their pseudo conversation is like after she
0: freaks out. It kind of progresses for a few chapters with Vectel just kind of trying to take care of Georgie because she's in such a terrible state like she's half starved she's freezing to death she's dirty you know and she doesn't have the que. and yeah and she doesn't have a quee, so she's weak yeah you know
1: also for georgie's part of it i think she's just excited that she found life mm-hmm. like intelligent life Pointing to that maybe her and the other women like have a shot at
0: surviving. Yeah, Um, because this entire time she hasn't forgotten about them. She's still the entire time. Absolutely. Trying to get back to them to save them because she knows that they don't have fire. They don't have good food. They don't have anything.
1: That's something that I thought was really interesting about Georgie and about the way Ruby Dixon wrote the book, Mm -hmm. because it's kind of a tough needle to thread to be like, these this group of women is in this dire situation but one woman is the heroine of the book so she's gonna go off and fall in love and have lots of sex yeah and to have that not be like a super shitty thing to do mm-hmm. it would is like really hard to balance but i think she does it well in that like you said georgie never forgets
0: about the other women mm-hmm. she repeatedly feels guilty when with- when she's comfortable because vectel is feeding her mm-hmm. and just like holding her at night and keeping her warm, you know, she feels guilty, you Mm -hmm. know, like she, she enjoys it because she's getting some well-deserved reprieve from the agony she's been living in. Mm -hmm. And then she instantly feels guilty. Yeah. Because she knows that, you know, the other women are back there.
1: And I, I remember really liking that the first time. And I really liked it this time too. Me too. It's another thing that makes Georgie an interesting character and a likable character. Mm Mm-hmm. Even though it is a little ridiculous, the situation she's in, and the fact that she's yeah. like,
2: all
0: right, we can bone. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> but- isn't how it works. It, like, she, after the initial uh, cunnilingus, she really <laughs> isn't down for it at first, you know? Yeah. She's pretty dead set on, like, let's save these girls.
1: Absolutely. I mean, when, like, when Vectol is taking care of her, she, even though they can't understand each other, she has to try to convince him to take her back to where they were dropped.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is deep into mountains and in the complete opposite direction of where his tribe is located. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, she does convince him to do it. Yep. She trades sex.
1: <laughs> They're bathing in a river. Yep. Using berries as soap.
0: And the river is a hot spring.
1: <laughs> yeah. And she goes over and grabs his dick and she's like, Hey. <laughs> She's like, hey, this will happen if we go up the mountain. (laughs) Which I feel like when I read it for the first time, I was very like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. But this time, you know, she wanted to save her friends.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, I, I get it. And he's also, he hasn't been like an unpleasant companion by any means. True, You know, like he's... Literally done nothing but take care of her and keep her healthy and alive. And, like, you know, if, if you came across a stranger on a foreign planet, that is not what I would expect, you know, <laughs> for him to just, like, literally dedicate his every waking moment to keeping you comfortable and alive, alive. and <laughs> safe, you know? Mm-hmm apart from the environment it is not a friendly world it's full of everything you come across is basically going to try to kill you and eat you it's super dangerous he i mean
1: in his point of view when they're traveling he points out like several things in the immediate area that are Mm -hmm. really dangerous like Mm -hmm. there's like several like creatures or whatever and even plant life can be you know Mm Yeah. Hostile alien world. We should mention that he's the
0: chief. Yeah, he's the chief of his tribe. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Because of course he is. Of course he is. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, Georgie, you don't see a lot of this in Vectel in this book. But Georgie is a true leader, Mm -hmm. you know, in this book. So it's appropriate in that sense that she would be the um, (laughs) chiefess, the lady chief. I don't, the first lady of the chiefdom. I don't, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Whatever. So yeah, but we mentioned this in the other recording, and I think it's worth noting. Despite the fact that this book is called Ice Planet Barbarian, Vectil isn't an alpha hole.
1: By and large, I would say that they're not a barbaric people.
0: Not at all. No. Yeah. They do have an organized social structure with etiquette, including, you know, the hunters have to keep the caves stocked for one another. Like, if you mm-hmm. use the food and supplies in a hunting cave, you're expected to restock it before you leave. Yeah. And what makes them barbaric is the fact that they live in caves and are hunters and gatherers rather than Mm -hmm. driving around in spaceships. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or (laughs) Or cars. Yeah, or any sort of advanced (laughs) technology at all. Like, they use primitive weapons even. They don't even have bows and arrows. They use slings. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's actually really interesting that she chose to use this kind of barbarian trope
2: mm-hmm.
0: for this series, but didn't go the traditional barbarian alpha hole route. you Jane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I actually really appreciate because what I like about the barbarian trope is not necessarily the, like, you know, Tarzan Eugene ness yeah. of it, but rather just the survival yeah. aspect of it. I, th- I think that's an interesting plot line and I think it's an interesting source of conflict in a love story.
1: (laughs) And I I think it's even more interesting the way it's done here in that they are civilized in in all other ways. Like, I think that their speech pattern is really interesting, the way Mm -hmm. Vectel speaks and and later when you hear other barbarians speak. Mm -hmm. Their speech pattern is definitely deliberate. I think Ruby Dixon is writing in a certain way.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: I'm
0: kind of fascinated by it. I, I wouldn't be able to describe it. Vectel is very serious, so his speech makes sense. You know, like you would expect it. It's a little bit old fashioned and proper. That's exactly the word I was about to use. Proper. Mm -hmm. Whereas Georgie, you know, uses slang, and she'll be like, "Wow, these aliens say hello by eating pussy," and you know, like Mm -hmm. that's she's she's a typical twenty two year old woman Mm -hmm. in America and you see a lot of personality come out of the the human women in that way and that they are typical 22-year-old women even though they all have distinct voices.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So when you get to the tribe and you meet the other barbarian men and women and women, you might not expect that they could all retain that proper speech pattern. While having distinctive voices or while having a sense of humor, but they do. Mm -hmm. My favorite hero of the entire series is the hero for book three. His name is Ihako. And he's actually really witty and charming and funny. And I love him. And he still has that proper formal way of speaking, but he's still like goofy and he teases his heroine, and I won't tell you who it's gonna be. Oh, that sounds so fun, I and it's read it. he's great. Like it's he's he he laughs at himself. You know, <gasps> it's really great. Give
1: me heroes that laugh at themselves.
0: Oh, fucking Niccolo! So <laughs> weird, God, the hero from Champion, Champion by Fabio. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> so. I think that that was a really interesting and well-executed choice on Ruby Dixon's part. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: For sure. This is where I get a little foggy on the sequence of events. hmm It's a lot of traveling through
0: dangerous, ice, alien planet, and then... So they bone. <laughs> yep. Inevitably. And an interesting thing about this race, they're called Saqui about their anatomy, <laughs> specifically the male anatomy... <laughs> Is they have a lump above their genitalia called a spur.
1: I feel like now is a good time to talk about the audiobook.
2: (laughs) I didn't even get to that.
0: So, as we mentioned before... Ruby Dixon, congratulations. Mm-hmm. She just released the audiobook for the first Ice Planet Barbarians book. The Dragon series is already um, coming out in audio. Oh, cool. Yeah. I suspect that she knew our schedule and knew that we needed it. Absolutely. <laughs> so thanks, Ruby. Thanks. And and congratulations. I That's really cool. Like, you yeah. know, for indie authors to produce and like go through the whole process of like self-publishing an audiobook like yeah that's that's something to be proud of anyway we should mention Mm -hmm. that there are two performers in the
1: audiobook which i understand i I haven't listened to a lot of romance audiobooks i understand from you talking to me about them that that is somewhat common yes to have a a male performer and a female performer
0: that is the exact wording i would Mm -hmm. choose somewhat common (laughs) (laughs) because it's uh it's not like an every book thing but many romance novels that have a male and a female perspective for the hero and heroine do have two performers. Mm -hmm. Frankly, I think it works better that way sometimes. It is interesting, especially the way this book
1: is formatted with like between the points of view and Mm -hmm. the performers were
0: great. Yeah, I, I was actually really unsure of Georgie's. Me too. At, at first. At first. And then the second I heard her do Liz. Same. I was like, no, she's she's good. Literal same. Because yeah.
1: I, I think I wasn't, in my head, I didn't
0: read Georgie as having any kind of an accent. Me either. And, so she, that, and the performer gives her a Southern accent. Yeah, it, it's not super pronounced.
1: No. But it, it was enough that it threw me a little bit. Yeah, me too. But then she would do other characters and like, it was like subtle changes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. Specifically Kira. I thought she got the voice down, Mm -hmm. you know? Yes,
0: I remember. I remember hearing that and being like, damn. Yeah. And that's what I want from my audiobook narrators. Mm -hmm. And the guy was good. It was interesting to hear him
1: give Vectal an accent without giving Vectal an accent.
0: Yep. I mean, what else are you going to do? Yeah, no, I I have to give props to both performers, especially though Vectol's narrator, specifically because he's an alien. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, plain and simple, he's an alien. Yep. These are not real names. A lot of them aren't real words. Mm-hmm. And he's a barbarian whose sole purpose in life at the start of this book is to take care of a human woman, which isn't like a real character motivation it's a romance novel hero motivation Mm -hmm. you know which that's not a fault of ruby dixon that's the genre and that's what women want to read and that's fine so you know it's it's kind of difficult material to work with in that regard sure so you know props to him because he committed and yeah
1: which is what you need from a romance novel narrator what you need more than anything is commitment yeah because it can be hard it through nobody's fault but my own, it was a little hard to listen to.
0: No, um, I actually, I'm in a fan group for Ruby Dixon, and if you read her books and you enjoy them, check out the Blue Barbarian Babes Facebook group. Mm-hmm. It's a fan page for Ruby Dixon. She is not affiliated with it. It was started by her fans for her fans. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's just a bunch of women gushing about her books and giving recommendations for similar books and... I actually posted a screenshot of me starting to listen to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of them asked me, is it sexy? And I was honest. I was like, listen, I do not find any audiobook I've ever listened to sexy. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with the writing. It has nothing to do with the narrators. It's just, Absolutely. it's just the sensation of having someone whisper, I sank my into her wet
2: no, whispered I didn't into know. your ears. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, yeah. It's nobody's fault. It's nobody's fault. No one's fault. It, um, if if you can deal with that and, and find it sexy, like, if you're reading – if you read your romance novels, like, for the sexiness, and that isn't something that bothers you, then – More like, power to you. Yeah, that's fine. But you should know going in yeah. that it might be uncomfortable for you, which I, I think it is for many people, but that doesn't mean that it is unlistenable.
1: Absolutely. I'd never listened to a, a romance novel in audiobook form before. So, when the boning happened, or, well, actually, I mean, the first time Vectel and Georgie met in a cave and he started uh-huh. eating her out, like, that was the first, I was about to say the first taste of it.
2: <laughs> and then I caught myself. No pun
1: intended. <laughs> that was the first time that I had uh, experience with listening to. That being read to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I... It was it was just... It's not for me. And it only got worse from there. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Honestly,
0: the narrators do a great job. It's not their fault at all. No, and I really do want to emphasize that. Yeah, like, me too. This is our problem. Yeah. Not theirs. And not that I think it's a problem.
1: It's just like, you know, that's not... Maybe it's immaturity, but...
0: <laughs> well, it's also... Reading graphic stuff like that is... is is safe when it's in just your head. Right. I'm barely comfortable texting
1: you when I'm reading a friend's novel and I'm like, well, oh, this is so strange. I
0: text Rachel. <laughs> is that weirder if I text Rachel while I'm reading this? It's weird. See, I'm pretty unflappable. Yeah. I used to listen to this stuff while I was at work. I And I, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how because it is, it, for me, it was really cringy Because of my hangup, Yeah. Um, I mean, there were plenty of times when I would be like, I really need to make sure my headphones are plugged in, first of all. (laughs) But also, just I would be making faces, and the the people who are sitting, like, across from me at, 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 like, diagonal cubicles would occasionally be like, what is going on? I
1: loved – you would send me Snapchats of your face, and you would add the line that you were reacting to. (laughs) <laughs> Those are my favorite yeah um but yeah I, I mean there was one time when I was listening to it at home and some explicit stuff started happening and I didn't have headphones and I was just listening to it in my room mm-hmm. and I like ran to my phone
0: <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> um yeah it's it's intimate
1: yes so, so so personally I don't want to have it read to me
0: <laughs>
1: but um, totally understand yeah Totally understand. So, so okay, we sidetracked to talk about the audiobook so that we didn't have to talk about them boning. I do want to point out his anatomy. Oh right, other than the spur, mm-hmm. which, hang on, I do have to talk about the spur for a second. Barbarian women don't have clits.
0: They don't have clitorises. So what is the purpose for the spur? I don't know. Wish fulfillment. I'm sure. We need a little soundtrack that plays whenever we talk about wish fulfillment.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wish fulfillment. Um... (laughs) Can hey, Ruby Dixon, I I mean, can you let us know the purpose of the, of the spur?
0: Also, Ruby Dixon, draw us a picture. Yeah. Because I have no idea what this thing
1: looks like. It, Ooh, I just realized that I'm picturing it kind of like red, like it's a pimple.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's blue.
1: It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And miraculously, like, it's not like sharp or anything. It's just.
0: No, I, it, I'm i so confused because sometimes in certain books, it's, it's described as like, the, the size of a finger, but I don't know if it sticks out. I don't know if it's, like, a finger that's, like, resting against their lower abdomen. I literally cannot figure out what the spur looks like. Please or the, draw the, the us angle. a complete diagram. Yeah, or the angle at which it protrudes. Like, is it perfectly flat? Is it, like, a 90-degree angle? Is it, like, you know, a, a gentle 45? Like... <laughs> Because when, when Vectel and Georgie have doggy style intercourse, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's mentioned in this book, is it? Where. Nope, because I have no idea what you're about to say. Where the spur, uh, stimulates the butthole in a certain way. Great, 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 great. So which, like, you know, whatever, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. if you're into that, but that makes me think it would be painful in the other direction yeah like in in missionary i feel like it would just like rub uncomfortably but what do i know it's magic penises yeah we would be remiss if
1: we did not mention another thing about his dick is that it is ribbed for her pleasure it is
0: those (laughs) those ridges we mentioned that are around his muscles and um face oh
1: yeah on his forehead and his chest
0: they're Um, also on his dick And his tongue. I don't remember
1: that. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. I remember when I read it for the first time and the ridges were being described, I thought to myself, those are on his dick. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Because, be? he's he's literally just a woman pleasuring machine. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, like, everything about him. Like, he's what I think the typical romance alpha should be. Mm. You know, like, respectful, like, maybe he's a little more serious than, you know, I prefer personally prefer Mm -hmm. in my heroes but a leader a leader you know like respectful of the human women Mm -hmm. because after they bone Mm -hmm. they actually come across the corpse of dominique the french canadian woman who was in the cell with georgie she as far as they can tell ran away and died of the cold, yeah. But at this point, Vectel realizes why Georgie has been desperately trying to get him to go back up the mountains, and he's like, "Oh shit, there's other women." There's he other- didn't
1: like he didn't he had no idea where she came
0: from, and they no. can't, they can't understand each other
1: yet. So yeah, yeah.
0: So that is actually the the thing that convinces Vectel to bring Georgie back up there,
2: mm-hmm.
0: where they find the other women, and Vectel's like, "Oh shit, mm-hmm. there's women. We have to get them safe."
1: <laughs> I will say. That despite the fact that Vectel is, like, a good guy, mm-hmm. and he is doing it because he's a good guy,
2: mm-hmm.
0: there's a little bit of ulterior motive there. Well, if, of course it occurs to him, like, oh, well, you know, there aren't a lot of women in my tribe, but this is this will solve that. Yeah. That, we'll try, that we'll we'll does think, happen.
1: Which I don't think we've um, mentioned yet. That there
0: aren't a lot of women in his tribe. No, this book plays hard on the Mars Needs Women trope.
1: I don't actually remember what the reason for that is in their society.
0: There was like a disease that spread through and just happened to kill a lot of the women off.
1: Uh, But it means that there are a lot of men in his tribe that are lonely and horny.
0: There are only two women of childbearing age in the entire tribe. And they are both mated. Yeah. So...
1: He's not doing it in a weird way or whatever, which sounds weird to say, but Mm -hmm. when he sees the group of women that Georgie came from, he's like, oh, maybe some... uh some mates for my friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, in fairness, is how he thinks of it, you know, because mm-hmm. the resonance is such a huge thing in their culture that yeah. when he sees them, he's like, oh, maybe there's a chance that some of the men in my tribe would resonate for some of these women. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's sad <laughs> that they are so alone.
0: Well, also, just they know the tribe is going to die out. That's true. You know? That That I mean... too.
1: But also, this species mates for life. Yeah. So, you know.
0: Yeah, one interesting thing about them mating for life though is that they only mate for life once resonance happens. Mm-hmm. Because before that, they actually have a really liberal culture as far as sex goes. Like yeah. there is no shaming about sex whatsoever. Like Vectil is not a virgin, Mm-mm. and Georgie meets his ex girlfriend, and it's totally cool. Yep, like there's no everybody's cattiness. really cool about it. Yeah, you know he was he was disappointed. That she resonated to another man, but, like... Because that's got to be a weird thing. But also, she says, so was she. Which yeah, is super interesting to yeah, me. She, yeah. Because she wanted to be with Vectal, mm-hmm. and then she eventually realized that the guy that she resonated with was the right guy for her. She's also the tribe healer. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I like that there was no cattiness there, that there was no jealousy. And that's one thing that I like about the series overall, is that there aren't a lot of instances of, like, cattiness. Mm-hmm. And even between the guys who are competing for the women uh, oftentimes aren't sore losers in general like yeah. they're they're usually pretty um there's there's kind of a camaraderie yeah. amongst them all despite the fact that some of them they know are going to be alone forever <laughs> I, I it probably it makes perfect sense for that to be the case
1: to me because it probably stems from the fact that you know like I said resonance is such a huge part of their culture and their society that like everybody gets it and it's biological yeah it's just kind of what happens
0: yeah that's also the thing like it's it's literally you have no control over it so like why fight it Mm -hmm. you know there are examples throughout the series of people who fight it i think it has the potential
1: for interesting conflicts Mm -hmm. to to arise i I could only imagine how human beings would behave if we had something similar Mm
0: -hmm. you know i mean Um, our entire culture would be way different
1: yeah and it's kind of reflected in in their culture at least from what little we see this book. So when he's looking at the women, he isn't just seeing mates for his friends, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it occurs to him.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: So Georgie and Vectol had brought extra furs from the hunting caves mm-hmm. for the women.
0: I think everybody's still alive. Some people are worse for wear. One girl, Tiffany, is not doing well. She's got like a fever going and the que sickness is yeah. really taking hold of her. Um, everyone else is in bad shape, but they're all conscious and like getting by. Yeah. It's going to take a couple days for him to get back to his tribe. And Georgie is like, I'm going to stay with the women, Vectel refuses.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And a fun little thing that happens, actually, is Vectel says to the women, like, not expecting them to understand, but he's like, oh, just just keep my mate safe. And Kira has the translator in her ear, and she's like, oh... Your yep. made and Georgie's like what because this is actually the first she's heard of it mm-hmm. the, up until now she has not realized that Vectol has lifelong intent <laughs> well yeah I mean they can't they can't understand each other yeah exactly you know? but it was kind of just like a funny thing that happens because yeah. Vectol's just like oh just watch over my my mate for a second
1: it and is really funny what I appreciate is that they're not bitter about it
0: no, I think Liz says something to the effect of, like, listen, I don't care how many aliens you bone. Yeah. Like, just let's get out of here, you yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Actu- they actually, like, they tease her about it. And I actually think that's another tool that Ruby Dixon used to soften the reality of them suffering while she's boning an alien in a cave. Mm-hmm. Is that, like, this served to kind of lampshade mm-hmm. uh, the ridiculousness of the situation. And they, they tease her about it. But... I almost expected when I read it for the first time there to be some sort of conflict or something where like they confronted her like, oh, you've been out there being fed and blah, 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 and Mm -hmm. we've been here. And, but that is not what happens. No, not at all. Which,
0: yeah, like. The other girls are probably just grateful that
1: they're yeah. going to be rescued. Yeah, you know? and they're being fed and they have blankets. And
0: Yeah. These women really kind of are like a team. I appreciated that.
1: Especially because it's a group of women taking care of each other. Like, that's really important,
0: mm-hmm. you know? Definitely.
1: And they went through something unbelievably traumatic together, mm-hmm. which probably served as quite the bonding experience. Definitely. So, Vectol kind of makes sure that they have food. Mm-hmm. But-
0: he can't travel with all of them back to the caves. And it, it'll just be faster in general if he goes by himself and then gets all of the tribesmen to does, come back and get him. He does take Georgie though. Well, that's because he will not leave her. That's because she yeah. wants to she wants to stay with them. Yeah. And he refuses. Yeah. Which I also appreciated that Georgie, you know,
1: she's she's very aware the entire time. Mm-hmm. Which I really like in my romance novel heroines because yeah. it isn't always the case. Yeah. So they leave them with the blankets, the furs, and food, I think, I'm mm-hmm. sure. And they set off back to Vectel's tribe. Mm-hmm. And along the way, they bone in another cave. Yep. Plot twist. Because the cave is a spaceship.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Vectel's tribe has referred to this cave with quotations around it, Mm -hmm. uh, as the Elder Cave Mm -hmm. for as long as anyone has known of it.
1: It's strange smooth walls.
0: Yeah, it's a spaceship. (laughs) Yeah. And Georgie recognizes this, and she wakes it up and communicates with it. And it knows English, but it knows, like, early modern English, so it's not, like, perfect. But it actually is able to implant... Vectel's language into her brain. And then mm-hmm. they can communicate.
1: Still not a perfect version of his language, which I think is interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, that's fun that they can communicate. She also picks up a bunch of other information. Like, So now, not only can she communicate with him, but she finds out from
0: the computer about the
1: que mm-hmm. and the sickness.
0: Which and- up until now, she knows nothing about. Yeah. She doesn't know that they're all dying slowly from these chemicals in the air. Mm-hmm. She... Finds out that it's an organism that is actually native to the
1: planet and um, cannot be taken off the planet. Mm
2: -hmm. So
1: she basically figures out that if she accepts the Kui and if her and all the other women accept the Kui so that they can survive on the planet, they will never be able to leave Mm -hmm. because it will kill
0: them, which is fun. And if they don't accept the Kui, they will die Mm -hmm. because the atmosphere will kill them. Mm -hmm. So interesting
1: yeah and they don't really have another way off the planet it is worth noting that they bone again and georgie specifically has the thought i don't have to worry about birth control famous last words
0: (laughs) (laughs) why would you just assume that georgie well he's an alien like i mean yeah but (laughs) but he's remarkably human yeah yeah yeah. Hilarious. I mean, you also don't Hilarious. know, like, he could have given her some kind of disease or whatever. She doesn't know. True. Very true. <laughs> okay. So, they they go to the tribe, and um, upon bringing Georgie, Vectal's like, she's my mate. I resonated to her. All the men are like, ooh. Oh. <laughs> like, that's their reaction, right? Um, At first, they're a little bit grossed out, and then they're like, oh, wait, this means opportunity for me. Mm-hmm. Which Georgie is not okay with yes when the men start kind of like jumping at the chance of these human women being their potential future wives Georgie is not okay with it Mm -hmm. which I really really loved because uh, like someone needs to champion them yes this is
1: something that I really loved about this book Georgie is so adamant about everybody being given a choice Mm -hmm. it's like a huge sticking point for her.
0: Yeah, and I really loved that. Yeah, and those are the moments when Georgie really shows herself to be a, a, a true leader. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, no wonder Vectel's queen chose her. Mm-hmm. You know, I she really is probably the best possible leader for the humans.
1: Yeah, and the best
0: possible compliment to his leader personality, maybe. I yeah, don't know. definitely. So though though Georgie is really insistent, the men, the other men, don't totally listen to her. I mean, for the most part they're kinda cool, right? The well, most they, of
1: them. They have to um they have to form this essentially a hunting party because what they have to do
0: is they have to go get the women and um pretty immediately bring down a giant beast called a Sakotsk, mm-hmm. which has within it multiple quies. It's like hundreds or something, yeah. right? Which ugh. Yeah. <laughs> which um they have to take out of the heart and immediately Put it in the... The human women. Yeah.
1: So they're, they're basically... Vectel basically has to um, take a hunting party with him. Something that this book does really well is set up for later books. Yes. Without being super annoying and overt about it.
2: Mm-hmm. Because,
1: you know, uh, other times when someone's, like, setting up for a sequel, it's very transparent.
2: Mm-hmm. That,
1: that it's like, oh, these two characters for the next book. Set up, set up, set up. And it is so frustrating because I'm not reading the next book. I'm reading this one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's this built-in group of, of women. And it's not too obvious mm-hmm. about setting up, you know, the the, the men. I mean, it's... Uh, the The couple from book two, you can see it happening.
0: It's very obvious at the end. But it feels like part of the story still you know exactly like there's a little bit of a throwaway line explaining what the second book is going to be about at the end that Mm -hmm. isn't totally resolved because you know it's going to be resolved in the second book Mm -hmm. but i I completely agree a lot of romance novel series have a different hero and heroine for each book of the series and and you have a lot of instances where you know the characters from book one will have a best friend who is there the entire time who gets set up to be the heroine in the second book or
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know which is fine it, you know it, it works it works in this book but it also depends you know? on how it happens like this book does it well
1: yeah. other books not not as much yeah um the the heroine from book 2 is Liz who mm-hmm. is a fucking delight and she's the-
0: she's got a really vibrant personality she's really kind of snarky mm mm-hmm. I really, really love her in this book.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm very excited to read the next one. You know, it's interesting. In this book, she is probably the other, the, the woman other than Georgie who has the most screen time, for lack of a better <laughs> page yeah. time. But it's not annoying. Yeah. I
0: mean, starting out the book, you wouldn't necessarily know that Liz is going to be the hero in a book, too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Not until know? later when. Uh, when stuff happens. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and the hero for the next book I'm less excited for.
0: Yep, you're not going to like him. Nope, I'm not. <laughs> um, there
1: is a member of Vectel's tribe. I don't remember his name. Rahosh, Rahosh, who is very keen to have a mate. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so naturally, he joins the hunting party mm-hmm. along with a bunch of the other uh, men and they travel
0: back to the women. Mm hmm. They get the women. They load them up in the arms of the, the strong <laughs> barbarian men. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, when they first go in there. Into the cargo hold where all the women are. Mm-hmm. Georgie hears somebody resonate.
1: Mm-hmm. Which um, I, I want to mention she talked to Vektol about it. She, was, she laid it out for him. She's like, listen, they need to decide to stay here. They mm-hmm. need to decide to take the Quee. Like, it has to be completely up to them. It's, like, really important to her. And mm-hmm. he is so cool about it.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, there's no bullshit there. Like, he gets yeah. it, you know? He, yeah, totally. And he's, and like, Georgie is not just that the women have a choice in whether or not they, like, mate someone. But they have a choice what in, as to whether or not they even accept the queen. Exactly. You know, which I think is, you know, it's not much of a choice. But at least Georgie gives them. Like, yeah. Like, she does desperately wants them to have that choice, mm-hmm. which all of them accept. Um, and I thought it was really interesting how Georgie's status as a leader kind of comes into play again mm-hmm. when they hunt down the Sakotsk and the other women are very hesitant. And so is Georgie, but someone has to show them that it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So she accepts the Kui first yeah. and all of the women follow suit. Mm-hmm. But
1: first, they have to be given all of the information about what exactly that means, you Mm -hmm. know, because they're kind of completely in the dark. Like the last time Georgie and Vectel were there, there wasn't a a whole lot of information exchanged because Georgie
0: didn't have a lot of it. And they also choose whether or not they're going to let it be known with the information they have about the fact that these men are all horny and desperate, Mm -hmm. that there are six more women in those pods still. Yup. Who, as far as they know, went to sleep in their beds Mm -hmm. back on Earth and have no knowledge that any of this has been happening. Yep. So, they
1: have to decide what they're going to do. Like, are they going to wake them up? Because, like, they have to have a choice, too, Mm -hmm. you know? So, they do decide to wake them up, which is traumatizing (laughs) for them. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean... You know, imagine
0: going to sleep and then waking up in this kind of situation. And being told, so you can never go home. Mm -hmm. And also, you might have to fuck an alien. Yeah, but if you don't, (laughs) you're going to die here in like a week. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: So, yeah, but but I think the way Georgie handles it, even though it is an impossible situation, the way Georgie handles it is really great and makes me really like her. When she's talking to the women about what they want to do – We haven't said this yet. She doesn't really want to say what she's thinking because she doesn't want to influence them, which Mm -hmm. I appreciate. But they ask her, well, what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. Because she's the leader. And she's like, well, I'm a little biased. (laughs) Because (laughs) (laughs) earlier, I guess Vectel can just sense that she's pregnant, (laughs) which I don't know. Does does, does that explain? The queen knows. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, she's pregnant. So if you ever are in a position to have sex with an alien, don't be like Georgie and be like, "I don't need birth control,
0: whatever." Yeah. <laughs> At the end, Georgie wakes up after accepting the queen. She has glowing blue eyes now. She doesn't feel freezing cold. And uh, it's be- it's Bella again in Twilight when she's a vampire. Oh uh, yeah, and um, then they bone in the
1: snow. Mm-hmm. Oh well, we should say that um, what's his face. Runs off with Liz. So book two.
0: Yeah, Rahash, the guy who's really uh, hankering for a girl, literally just snatches Liz and books it, which Bechtel is pissed about. But at the moment, he's just kind of excited because Georgie has a queen and she's vibrating for him now. So
1: they go, they go off, and they don't even go to a cave. They just fuck in the snow.
0: Yep. <laughs> Fun. Yep. <laughs> I mean. Like on the ice planet, that's probably just the closest you're going to get to a ba- to a mattress. Sure,
1: it does remind me of the very end of Fire in His Blood when oh yeah, and the guy's like, "Oh, we're going to fuck now, bye." Yeah. <laughs> okay. (laughs) Yep. So what kind of concluding thoughts did you want to end with?
0: Well, I want to know how eager are you to read book two? When I first read Ice Planet Barbarians, books two and three are already out and book four was coming out very soon. So I read them all within the span of a month, but I read the first three within the span of a week.
2: Mm -hmm. You know,
0: I really loved it. I loved the series from book one. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I I do really enjoy it. And I love Liz. Not so excited for Rahosh. Mm-hmm. Book three sounds fun. But I, d- I don't know, probably if I didn't have other stuff to read for this podcast, I'm looking at you, Don. I'd probably read it. I don't know. Well,
0: I was just curious if you're as, like, engaged by it as me, but it sounds like you're not.
1: Pro- no, I mean, probably not as engaged by it. I do really enjoy it. Good, I do too. Uh, it's it, it's a lot of fun to read.
0: It is, and it's refreshing. Yeah, like we pointed out, it doesn't really adhere to the traditional alpha hole narrative. Yes, Georgie's a delightful heroine. She's super likable. A lot of most of the characters are super likable. Yeah, and I like Rahash. I <laughs> I think he's got an interesting arc. Um, We'll see how I feel. I I don't have any hopes that you'll like him, but that's because I know you.
1: That's true. You do. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Maybe on this podcast. Maybe. Tune in next time.
0: (laughs) I'm just going to end that there. All right. So there you have it, listener. Uh, That was our discussion on Ice Planet Barbarians by Ruby Dixon. And uh, the anatomy of blue barbarian men. Yeah, if you didn't know that this was an explicit podcast, you sure do now. Yep, for sure. (laughs) So once again, if you are intrigued by Ruby Dixon's Ice Planet Barbarian series, seriously check her out. They're really fun. Ruby's a great writer. She's super active on her Facebook as well, her Facebook page, Ruby Dixon. Her books are all available on Amazon. They're all under five dollars. And her audiobooks have whisper syncs. So you can buy the ebook and then purchase the audiobook for like seven bucks. So pretty good deal. And maybe someday she'll come on our podcast. Yeah, and she can answer all of the questions we have. Dare the like, dream. Like, what do the trees look like? <laughs> What does the Sakotsk look
1: like? How big are the dragons? Oh God, yes. Yeah. Uh, please draw us detailed illustrations of the dragon dick and the barbarian dick. Yes, all of this and more. <laughs> <laughs> Next time on
0: <laughs> OptiAt. Oh, also social media. <laughs> I know I was gonna have to say something. <laughs> You can
1: find us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Optia. That's O P T I O T and on Instagram at Optia Pod. O P T I O T P O D. Okay,
0: joke stealer. <laughs> you can also find us on our website, one persons trash is our
2: treasure.com.
0: My <laughs> god, the look she just gave me. Okay, I think that this is enough. We're loopy. Content. Bye. Content. <laughs>
1: Which is a bummer because it was really fun, but we had really fun talking about it again. So that- We sentence. had really fun?
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're hungover. Yeah, we are really hungover. <laughs> I need grease in my body, like, right now. I'm <laughs> so hungover. Breakfast, I swear to God, someone roofied us last
1: night. It was that fucking Fruit Loops vodka that you tricked me into having. <laughs> it's the
0: only thing we all had.
1: Do they mention anybody else?
0: There's Josie, Tiffany- Megan.
1: You have read this book a lot.
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Podcast name. (laughs) Some other fun anatomy.
1: (laughs) His name is Vectal, and he's an alien. (laughs) That was a really weird sentence. (laughs) So, he finds Georgie in his trap, Mm -hmm. and he's like, yes, no. Uh, (laughs) No. because it's so cold, but their bodies are um, so hot.
0: Uh, (laughs) Why are you saying it like that? Uh,
1: I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Because I didn't mean it like that. And so then I realized while I was saying it how it would sound. And I decided to lean into it. Why don't you go with me? Fine.
0: I'm going. Gone. I don't think I want to. Too bad describe in vivid detail what happens (laughs) he when he's inspecting
1: her body he uh takes note of the fact that she um has hair Mm -hmm. and um pubic hair but but only he says she's hairless except for the tuft on her head and the small tuft of hair between her legs which he chuckles at because he thinks it's so silly which okay (laughs) but like in an adorable way sure but hashtag patriarchy by the way he carries her on his back and i said it in the first recording i'll say it again
0: i always think of that scene from twilight (laughs) it just seems so awkward and Vectel has to literally go all barbarian on her or on the metlax to save her life (laughs) on her yeah (laughs) that was uh fredian slip. He really did commit. Like, the first time I heard him pronounce a, um like, Sakotsk or whatever, yeah. I was like, yeah, bro. This is going to sound cheesy in a way. It did change my life. You know, I wrote my own alien romance novel that is now for sale on Amazon. <laughs> a Child of Parametheus <laughs> by Harper Prince. Um <laughs> I mean, what is there to say other than the fact that they bone? Alien men just can't have normal human dicks because then why wouldn't you just want to fuck a human man? Your alien man has a...
2: Normal. I know. I was being sarcastic. (laughs) Alien penises! (laughs) Exclamation point!